G'day mate, welcome to episode 65 of the Exponential Performance Podcast with me, Maddie Graham and also Nick Taylor. In this episode we are talking about overtraining and how to recover from overtraining. Nick also jumps into mindset and positivity, how this can influence not only your training and performance but also day-to-day life and we also take a look at a little bit of a quick tip around how to maximize your banded sidewalk if that's an exercise you do in the gym make sure you tune in let's get into it welcome to the exponential performance podcast join sports scientist and performance coach maddie graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are all right, g'day mate. Welcome to episode 65 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. It is so good to have you here. Nick and I have been doing a little bit of planning and reviewing the podcast and about how we tackle it. And so today's going to be our first trial of a slightly different format. We're going to go for slightly shorter segments, hopefully pack a little bit more uh, quality content into the podcast without as much uh, general chit chat um, around and sort of padding if you like we're going to try and cut it down and have a if you like a smarter podcast not necessarily a longer one so with that in mind we're going to jump into the first listener Q&A for today which is about overtraining from our listener Craig from America. Craig, take it away. Hey, Maddie. My name's Craig. I live in Wenatchee, Washington in the U.S., and I really enjoyed your show, but I am worried that I have maybe overreached too far already, and I might be dealing with something like approaching overtraining syndrome or something like that, reading about it, but have a question about what I can do if I do decide to take a month or two months off. Um, What kinds of activities can I do? Can I get my heart rate up at all? Can I do like a hike at 110 beats per minute, which would be my recovery zone? Um, Can I go to the gym? Can I cross train? Uh, Just more information about overtraining and how to deal with it as a addicted runner who and and skier nordic skier and mountain biker who has a hard time slowing down thank you all right so overtraining overtraining is a really interesting one and i've talked about it um previously on episode four way back in episode four if you want to go and dig that out and also as another listener q a in episode 17 where we talked about a couple of different things around overtraining. So I don't want to just go back through that stuff um, again to keep keep time down. And so, so just as a quick recap of what overtraining is, overtraining is actually really hard to research um, if we're looking at the scientific research basis of overtraining. And that's because over t- overtraining takes quite a long time to develop. Um, it's quite a chronic condition so it's quite hard to study things over a long period of time the second thing is is it's not very ethical to 
put people into an overtrained state. So most research projects around overtraining are sort of retrospective in that they take people who have potentially gone into the state of overtraining uh, and then sort of looked at factors around it. So a lot of the overtraining research isn't uh, that sort of classical randomized controlled study of a group of people becoming overtrained and then sort of fixing them if you like and, and a control group because it's not very practical in that sense. Because overtraining also is very multifactorial in that there's so many different factors that influence uh, a person's state and it doesn't necessarily have to be the training that is causing their overtrained state. So with that in mind, Craig uh, talked about there briefly about he's, he thinks he's overreached a little bit. So there's a term called overreaching or functional overreaching. And what this is, is is kind of like the natural training process. If we think about our progress of overload, we put a training stimulus on the body that's more than it's used to, and we go into a state of um, fatigue or depression in terms of our uh, energy levels, our body breaks down, and from there we build back up stronger and fitter, if you like. So functional overreaching is just a natural course of training and recovery. Where that drifts into overtraining, however, is when we don't give the body the recovery time that it needs to recover and supercompensate from that overreaching. And if we start doing that over multiple weeks and then multiple months, potentially even multiple years, that's when we get into this overtrained state. Interestingly, the definition of overtraining is just an unexplained decrease in performance. So if you are sick, if you get sick as in a cold or a flu, and your performance decreases, it's not overtraining because the reason that your performance is down is, is because you're sick. You, you get out of your illness and you get back to your normal training and you get back your performances up. So overtraining is this chronic decrease in unexplained decrease in performance. And way back in episode four, I mentioned that I don't really like to think of it as overtraining. I like to think of it as under resting because as long as you get adequate recovery for the training load that you're doing, you should be able to handle the training load. The disparity becomes, or the problem comes when there's a disparity between your training load and your recovery. Whether or not that's just lifestyle factors or you not being able to get that recovery because you've got work, you've got family, whatever it might be, then that that's becomes the problem. So it may not necessarily the amount of training, but we look at the training because that's, the stimulus that we can control a little bit better than recovery. So a little bit of a background on overtraining there. If you want to know more about it, check out episode four and episode 17. And I will put links to both of those over in the show notes at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 65 for episode 65. So you're overtrained. You've got overtraining syndrome. Uh, you're tired all the time, you're constantly getting run down, sick, your training motivation is through the floor, you may have constant 
uh, sort of tendonitis type issues throughout your body, indicating there's a large amount of inflammation and your body's not recovering properly. What do you do? So Craig talked about taking some time off, which is what's which is what needs to happen. We need to have a break from the training load that's causing the problem. In Craig's example, and for most people listening to this podcast, it's probably that high aerobic volume training load that's causing the problem. Because we are always doing this high aerobic load, the body's always getting this massive surge of stress hormones where we're constantly breaking the body down. And because we're doing lots of volume, we're not getting the recovery time required to adapt and compensate from it. So we're just getting that downward spiral. So what would a break look like? So Craig, you asked, can you get your heart rate up? Well, what I'd suggest is no. Keep your heart rate down So, because that's the problem. As soon as you start to jack your heart rate up, it's indicating that you are pushing hard. If you weren't pushing hard, your heart rate wouldn't be up. So you really want to ease back, and that means keeping your heart rate or your power down. So keep it down. Number one thing is sleep. Really focus in on your sleep. My guess would be if you're in an overtrained state, you're probably not sleeping very well. Either that's causing the overtraining in terms of you're not getting adequate rest, or uh, often when people get into overtrained states, their sleep turns to, to rubbish as well. The reason sleep's really important is this is where your hormones sort of balance out uh, and your body does a lot of your repair work. So if you are cranking up your stress hormones through training, and not getting adequate and good quality sleep, then that just throws that hormonal balance out of whack further. Being in nature, and I know this sounds a little bit airy-fairy, but there's some quite good research around uh, people exercising uh, gently or easily uh, in nature. And it's kind of no real surprise that, you know, going for a walk in the forest or the bush uh, is good for reducing stress levels. You know, when you're, you're out there, you're moving gently, you're getting oxygen flowing through the body. Uh, there's no sort of massive distractions or stimulants in terms of bright lights or traffic noise and all that other stuff. So it kind of makes sense that your body would, you know, help you reduce stress. So getting out and doing some stuff in nature uh, while not smashing yourself. <laughs> so, most endurance athletes spend a lot of time in nature anyway because they're running through it, they're out on a lake kayaking, you know, they're out in the sea swimming, whatever it might be. But go out in nature and don't smash yourself for once. Go out and do something easy. That hiking or, or walking, like you suggested, would be a great option. Cross-training, do something different to what you already are doing. If you're doing a lot of huffing and puffing in your sport like most endurance athletes do go and do some more uh, grunting in the gym so to speak so get a different stimulus and focus on something completely different so if you're an endurance athlete dialing the intensity back doing some 
gentle aerobic exercise but then going and putting a big strength stimulus through your body is a really good way of doing it as well and that helps boost our testosterone levels testosterone is one of our major growth hormones within our body so we get an increase in this anabolic hormone testosterone and also human growth hormone from the gym that's going to help repair your body as well the final thing i want to say is nutrition get your nutrition dialed in um, it's a massive subject, probably don't have time to cover it in this podcast, but take a look at it. The, the, one of the key things around nutrition, I'd say, is look at how many stimulants you are taking, stimulants in terms of largely caffeine being the primary one. If you are in an overtrained state, you're probably pretty fatigued on a day-to-day basis, so you might be trying to keep that training going and those energy levels up by using a lot of stimulants in terms of caffeine. If you can reduce your stimulant load on your body, it gives it time to be able to go through that, let's call it a healing process, um, and help balance out that hormonal level as we talked about previously. So, overtraining, very complex topic. If you think you've got overtraining syndrome or you think you're overtrained, you probably are. So try and dial it back, take it easy, do something different, uh, and give your body the time that it needs to heal itself because that's the only way that you are going to get better. Nick, anything to add on overtraining? Uh, I think you, you covered on all the points. I was going to chip in with some nutritional stuff, but you did add that in there at the end. Uh, and I'd almost say it's a good time to maybe get a nutritionist on board and mm. sit down with someone and look at your nutrition because it's a great opportunity to use this time that you have now created yourself because you're not going to be out there training. So you've yep. got to do some recovery, you've got to do some relaxation uh, and, and really sort of sorting out your nutrition, even to the extent of, of getting some sort of herbal support or some vitamin support um, with the advice of a, a nutritionist or a naturopath um, can just help sort of heal the body. Um, it doesn't compensate for any of the rest. You still have to take that time off. Um, but then you can be building yourself back up so when you do get back to do some training, uh, you won't fall back into that same pattern and um, put that same stress on the body. Yeah, awesome. And I think not just only for nutrition, but um, just thinking there where you're saying that is to get outside eyes on what you're doing because often for people, they don't really realise how you know often one direction they are but having that third party look in on your training program, uh, on your nutrition, uh, what you're doing in terms of recovery, how much sleep you're getting, they can now offer that third party perspective. So, you know, even if you want uh, us to have a look through everything, feel free to reach out and contact us, have a look through your training program, sort of see, you know, what we can do to get you back to where you need to be. I'm going to put a line under that, overtraining, done. One of the other changes that we've made for the podcast is that we're going to run a regular series where we cover um, one topic slightly more in depth over a couple of different episodes, building on what we learnt uh, in the episode beforehand. So this is a way of breaking up more in depth, longer sort of topics rather than uh, talking to you for 45 minutes about one thing. We're going to break that up so you get it in more digestible segments over multiple episodes. And for our first series, Nick is going to jump into some segments around mindset, 
and positive thinking and how this relates to performance. Nick Taylor, take it away. Cool. So, as many said, I, one of the things I wanted to delve into is around some of the sort of sports psychology side of things, and a lot of it is transferable to, to everyday life. Uh, so some of the examples I'll use will be based around life, some of them will be based around sport, but they all are all much the same. Um, and so some of those other areas, hopefully over the next few weeks to cover off, will be around sort of motivation and what drives us, what's our fuel and fire, um, goal setting, uh, reflection, sort of learning from ourselves and growing and developing, and then some stuff around mindfulness, which is what everyone's talking about at the moment, um, and then how we can use that and apply it through, through training and life. But one of the, the unique things about the human brain is we get to pick what mood we are in at any given time. So to a given situation, we can choose how we respond. Uh, you know, people can be rude, they can be abusive to you, they can be really nice, they can be really friendly to you, and we get to pick how we respond to each of those situations at a given time. It's our choice, which is really cool. But it's also quite a powerful thing that I, I don't think a lot of people really... Uh, really utilise for the for the benefit of themselves or for the benefit of those in that sort of tight circle around them and their friends and their family. So if we think about an example from training or, or racing, um, you know, we get up and, oh, it's Monday morning, you know, Monday morning's crap, I hate Mondays. It kind of sets the tune for a really bad Monday. You know, your day's going to be bad just because you've got up and you've, you've said it's it's crap. You've set yourself in that kind of, downward spiral um, if however you get up and you think oh right Monday new day you know what's happening today get a sort of a real bit of a, a good buzz on then yes you still have to go to work and still have to do the same things you would do if you got up and said it was crap but instead of staring at your inbox thinking oh, um, you know you can you can really change the way you think about it and set that positive day off it sets the tone for training sets the day for uh, having lunch with your friends and, and the relationships that you have. So one thing that always kind of makes me laugh to some extent is you'd be training someone or, or working with an athlete and, and they're getting a little bit grumpy with, you know, some hilly sessions or some hill reps and, and you know, that they're going to hurt, they're going to suck and, and so forth. And so, well, one of the weaknesses we might have identified is that you're not as good at hills or your, your strength on those hills isn't good. So why don't you see this session as a chance to really right, I'm going to attack these hill reps, I'm going to really get my strength up and become better at running hills for the race that I've got coming up, which has got hills in it. And it's just that simple little view on what that session's all about that you can make to really help uh, sort of drive the positivity of your training. And so this all comes down to mindset and, and sort of setting your, setting your mind in the course that you want it to be. And you can change your mindset. So if you are having a bad day, you can change that bad day in an instant by changing the way you think about the day. And there's a quote uh, that I've come across that I, I actually quite like, and I've used it for a few years uh, to the extent where I now can't quite remember who initially said it. So if someone can remember, that would be great. But if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of leaders and so forth have probably used something similar over the years, but it's really giving us the power, empowering yourself to change the, the way you see the world. 
And I guess that's a wee, a wee side note. I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel angry, you shouldn't feel upset or, or mad, um, because some situations generally warrant those feelings. But this is about controlling ourselves on a day-to-day basis. So uh, the best example, and it's, it's used all over the show, but is road rage. You know, you're driving to work, someone cuts you off. All of a sudden, you're on the, on the horn, you know, you're pulling the bird, or flipping the bird, sorry, swearing at them. Um, but what does that really achieve? And essentially, all you do is you make yourself angry and you make yourself mad. And then you turn up to work and, you know, your, your boss might send you an email and you just lose the plot and send something back that you shouldn't. And then you walk down to the coffee shop and you get a coffee and it's not quite 100% to what you thought it should be, and you abuse the barista for making you a bad coffee. And all you do is end up spreading this anger around the place, and you make yourself more angry. And it's very detrimental to our health to be angry all the time, to have all this kind of rage inside. For the simple act of, in that moment of that road rage, you could have stopped for you know a second in your mind and think, actually, okay, no one was hurt. We didn't crash cars, so I'll just, you know, take a breath, carry on, and then, you know, you get to work, the same email comes through, and you think, actually, this doesn't sound quite right. You ask your boss a question, you know, there's a bit of a uh, misunderstanding with what email was sent, so there's no dramas there. You go down to the coffee shop, and you have a nice cup of coffee, and you carry on with your day. And so it's just that instantaneous mindset that, again, we get to pick. We get to pick how to respond and we get to pick whether we spread positivity or negativity uh, through the world. And we can see this with people, and, and you know who they are, that they're just chronically angry. They're always in a bad mood. You know, you're, they're always swearing at somebody, or the world's out to get them of some description. That was angry Andy. Angry Andy. <laughs> angry Andy. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to have to use that with a few Andys that I know. Um, <laughs> But you can see it, it's bad for their health, it's bad for their relationships. You know, they don't have a whole heap of friends that are wanting to hang out with them all the time because they're spreading this, this anger and this frustration all the time. And to be angry, I believe, is, or to be angry at somebody else is suggesting that you think that person is trying to hurt you or that that person deliberately got out of bed this morning to annoy you. And again, we come back to the case of the, uh, the road rage and that person that cut us off. Maybe they've just been told some really bad news about a, a close relative. Or maybe they're speeding to the, the hospital to, the, you know, their wife is about to give birth to their child. We don't know at any given time what someone else is going through. And so it's really that trying to put yourself into their shoes and think about it from their perspective. You know, there's very few people in this world that would deliberately get out of bed and try and cut someone off in traffic. But yet every day we drive around with that mentality ready to beep our horn, pull the finger, or whatever it might be. So take a step back, take a breath, and put yourself in their position, um, and, and just be a little bit nicer to, to the world, to yourself. Um, and another example that I, it sprung to mind when I was sort of looking through some of this stuff and thinking about it is, is the crying baby on a plane. You know, we've all been on an aeroplane where there's been a crying baby. And I imagine no parent, and probably the babies for that matter, get on that plane with their sole purpose of annoying people for the flight with um, a crying kid. You know, often you'll see the parent, they're really embarrassed, they're trying their best to, 
to quieten the kid down. And you have the absolute power within you to be the, either the person that's a real dick about it or the person that might, hey, hey, can I grab you a, a glass of water? Can I help you out somehow? Um, and actually help this parent, you know, have a, a slightly more enjoyable experience. It's entirely up to you. And it's the same, again, for training. Um, so you get to pick how you view a certain training session, like I said before, or how you uh, respond during a race. Um, you can make training a lot more positive for yourself. You can make a race a lot more enjoyable for yourself. And you can also then, I guess, manipulate the outcomes. Often if you're in a better headspace, you're more relaxed, more positive, you're going to have a better result. And coincidentally, if you're still in a better position mentally and able to, to sort of think about things, if you don't have a race go quite the way you hoped, you can still actually get something out of it and you can still enjoy getting something out of it. Um, and a, a recent example, <clears throat> I guess for myself, is, is with some cyclocross racing where I've been training pretty hard and felt a little bit flat during the week, came to race day, actually felt pretty good in the morning, turned up, all good, great course, sunshine, started the race, five minutes in, I was just like, I just got nothing, like my legs were just not happy, and I could have easily just been like, oh no, I'm out, you know, um, I've got to save myself, or, you know, I don't want to push, push through this pain, and be really upset about the fact I didn't finish the race, and that I didn't enjoy myself, and, but instead, I just, you know, back off the, the intensity a little bit, and, you know, try and find some enjoyments, okay, I'm going to ride that part of that course really, really well, and then you get to the end of the race, and it's a, a more positive experience on a race that could have been a negative experience. So it's just a very simple tweak in the mind and a very split second um, that everyone has the power to make um, right, from, right from the second, essentially. So the, the challenge I'm sort of going to throw out to you, and I'm going to throw out a challenge at the end of each one of these segments, is to control your reactions in the next day or the next week, uh, the next month, and choose how you want uh, your days, your weeks to be, your interactions with friends and family. Um, if you want to be happy and enjoy your day, then you totally have the power to do so. If you want to be an angry, negative dick, then you also have the, 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 the power to be so. Um, but just don't choose to do that to too many people because you'll lose friends pretty quickly. Yeah, nice. I like it. And um, like thinking, thinking on a couple of those things is that like this, the simple act of seeing a smiling face for it's something like 16 milliseconds. So it's not even long enough for you to recognize that there's a smiley face there. Improves exercise performance. So they did this research that they were they were riding a bike, I'm pretty sure it was, and they were faces got flashed on the screen at 16 milliseconds. So you couldn't even really consciously know that they were there. But the people that were flashed smiley faces rode at something like 10% better. Mm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Those that got showed frowny faces rode, you know, worse. Yeah. Um, and it's all about that, just that subconscious connection of how you're interpreting those things that are happening in your body. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it before in terms of those signals are, are signals that you're working hard, you know. And when I am really suffering during a, an event, and I often use it, like you often, in, in, a, in an ultra-endurance race of any kind, you don't really feel like eating at a certain point. Um, 
but you know you have to eat to keep the workout put out. And so what I'll be doing is cramming food down my uh, in my mouth and like literally saying out loud, oh man, this tastes good. <laughs> like this is the best thing I've ever eaten. Or you know when you when you're going so hard that it's you're just hurting or you're towards the end of a big session and and it sucks. It's like man, this feels good. I wouldn't be. I don't want to be anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? And it sounds really corny to say that, but it's been shown in the research that simply by smiling, you perform better. Mm. And if you and you know you can do the same with your emotions on a day to day basis. I also really like the the comment that you make around people complaining about hills. <laughs> so <laughs> we know where this is going, but um, <laughs> I. I I really love the sort of concept of that. I don't have to train. I get to train. Like it's a it's mm-hmm. a privilege to go out and do it. And I'm pretty lucky. And in, in my role um, with High Performance Sport New Zealand, I work with some of our para athletes, our para alpine skiers. So these are guys uh, that have have broken their backs essentially, and now they're in a wheelchair and they sit they ski in a sit ski um, ridiculously fast and they are absolutely crazy because they come from downhill mountain biking backgrounds or like motocross backgrounds so they take the same ridiculous crazy uh, big ball attitude that they had that (laughs) resulted in a broken back and then they put that on the snow and these are pretty much rockets that they go down the slopes in but I found it really interesting. We've got this little little mountain. It's a hill in uh, in Wanaka called Mount Iron. Everyone goes up it. Tourists go up it. It's a day-to-day thing. And one of these athletes said to me, "Man, I'd love to go up there one day." But he can't. He can't go up there. It's not wheelchair accessible. And so whenever I'm running up a hill, and or biking or I'm doing something that kind of sucks, and I was just like, oh, this this sucks. I I wish I wasn't here. I remind myself that it's a privilege to be doing what I'm doing right now, like two functioning legs, bonus. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where there's, there's some people that would give anything to be able to go and do that thing right now because they can't do it, and they'll never be able to. Uh, you know, unless they get there by a helicopter, but they don't want to get there by a helicopter. They just simply want to go and walk or run up a hill, but they can't. So remember that you get to do a lot of the things that uh, it's a privilege to, to do a lot of the things that you get to do on a daily basis, uh, where a lot of people would love to be doing those things. They don't. Yeah, totally agree. Awesome. So I look forward to next episode segment on mindset and positivity what are we going to be digging into next segment uh around motivation and i guess yeah the i guess people's whys and and how we can can frame that so it's actually our motivation and owning owning motivation excellent 
All right, team, we're going to take a little bit of a sneak peek insight into one of the training plans offered at Exponential Performance Coaching over on our website. And this week, we're going to be taking a look at the multi-sport winter base plan. This training plan is targeted at multi-sport athletes who want to make their winter training a little bit more meaningful and a little bit more structured. So winter is often a hard time for training, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Using a bit of a smart approach, I think you can really maximize your training over winter to do things that are often neglected or things that you can't do over the summertime because of your higher training load and racing schedules things such as strength training to to develop injury resilience and also technique training to maximize your neuromuscular efficiency uh, across all disciplines so the multi-sport winter training plan is designed for the beginner to intermediate multi-sporter who wants to make the most of their winter training period so that they hit spring with a revamped neuromuscular system so they're more injury resilient efficient and psychologically fresh so they can hit their summer training at full speed this combines both aerobic base development and that often neglected neuromuscular training and strength work so it includes a 17-week training plan along with a strength training plan that you can do with minimal equipment, and then also technique sessions, running, kayaking, and on the bike as well. So if you want to get a little bit more structure into your winter training and not have the price tag that personalized coaching uh, has on it, check out the 17-week winter multi-sport training package over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash MS Winter, and I'll put a link for it over in the show notes for this episode as well. We're going to jump into our last segment for today, and that is our quick tip. All right, team, so this episode's quick tip is about banded sidestepping. Now, many of you may have done banded sidestepping in a strength program in the gym as an activation exercise or a priming exercise or something to develop your medial glute in itself. So this is the exercise that you put a band around your ankles or sometimes your knees and then take small steps to the side, sometimes called banded crab walk as well. With the idea that you're developing your medial glute, the glute muscle that's on sort of the side of your hip that helps with your pelvic or your hip stabilization. Now an interesting review paper came out on this and I've actually posted this on my Instagram page as well uh, and this is it here that hip muscle activity in men and women during resisted sidestepping with different band positions and this came out of the Journal of Athletic Training what this paper showed is that having the band around not your knees, 
not your ankles, but actually your feet had the biggest activation in your medial glute. So if you are really interested in developing your medial glute, which is why we do this exercise, then having your band placed around your toes, if you can imagine that, I'll put a picture up there as a picture in the research of where they had the band placed. And on Instagram, I also had a week video of me um, doing a banded sidestep like this as well. That is where you get the most uh, glute activation. One of the things I really like about a scientific approach to training, or well, it's one of the things I like about science in general, I guess, is that there's always emerging bodies of research. There's not just one idea and then that's it. There's no changing it. People are not fixed in their ways. So I really like that new things come out. For example, banded sidestepping is something that I have always used uh, often in a, in a warm-up or a preparation for a strength training plan or for those people that need to develop their medial glutes. Now, I'm still using it, but I've made a refinement to it from this latest research, now popping that band around the toes. So banded sidestepping, if you are doing it, and you've been doing it with the band around your ankles or your knees, highly recommend popping it around your toes now uh, based on this new research. If you haven't been doing banded sidestepping uh, and you'd like to include it in a program or get back into some strength training, then jump over to my Instagram and you'll see a bit of a video over there in one of my posts about banded sidestepping and the new research also. That is the quick tip for this episode. And that's all we've got for episode 65. Thanks for joining us, and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. Remember to get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart. We'll talk to you next time. Mate, thanks for listening. If you would like to support this podcast and see it continue into the future, you can do so in a number of ways. Firstly, make sure you subscribe to this channel on whatever platform you are listening. Like and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. If you're feeling really generous, head over and leave a review and a rating over on iTunes. This helps spread the word and develop the podcast. All of this will help the podcast continue long into the future so we can keep bringing you the information you need to train hard, but most importantly, train smart.